Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Hamish from the Young Investors Podcast. Myself and Brandon are excited to bring you your weekly rundown of the latest business and investing news from around the world. A quick reminder before we get started, any advice provided by Brandon is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives, so consider whether it's appropriate for you. Brandon Vanderkolk is authorized to provide general financial product advice in Australia and is authorized representative number 1305795 of Guideway Financial Services Proprietary Limited. Limited, AFSL number 420367. Please see the description box for Brandon's financial services guide. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future investment returns. But with that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hamish was just saying we should maybe start each each episode with a bit of a sing along. Yeah, we should have like a we should have like a new jingle every week, like a little, or, or just like should we have the same one, like the same song every week, or should it just be like a new thing, like you know? Well, we already have that that jingle at the start of the the episode, but um, yeah, maybe we should come up with our own our own original one. <laughs> yeah, we, Jeez, we can see it we... live off the cuff, improv everywhere. <laughs> All right, take us away, Hamish. Running off of three hours, oh, no, 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 no. this could be interesting. Think, yeah. Oh no, 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 he backs out so quickly. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. You can, no, you can no, start. No. You can start. <laughs> okay, no. okay. Yeah, Welcome definitely. back to the yep. Young Investors Podcast. Doodle-doo-doo. Maybe maybe a week where I, yeah, I've had a full night's um rest. We can we could attempt that, but um yeah, I'm on yeah. I'm on very minimal. I'm on ten percent battery at the moment. I, I didn't uh, sleep too well last night, which is unfortunate. But your we'll make it sleep, work. Your sleep has been ruined. What what is going on? Yeah, my sleep's been well. My sleep's always been bad, but it's been particularly right. bad recently. But yeah, we're, let's not make yeah. this a. A, a medical Hamish's medical history podcast again. <laughs> like I think people were vibing it. I think like for one of the podcasts we spoke for like thirteen minutes on like this, and all the comments are your... like, "Do you have glandular fever when you were a child?" Yeah, like everyone's yeah, like invested. Yeah. So everyone's so invested in fixing this. <laughs> I mean, we're we're essentially playing. We're playing doctor. We're basically house yeah. at the moment. We're trying to figure yeah. out what's what's we're, wrong with you. I'm doing. I'm, we're doing everything except what I should do, which is just get. Professional help, but <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you tried, but you no, walk no, in there because no. it I, only I am, happens when you're sleeping. No, I am getting help, and then though, you yeah. walk into the physio and they try and reproduce the pain, and they're yeah, like, no. "Well, nothing hurts because it only happens when you're sleeping." Yeah. so it's hard. Now nah, we're working yeah. on it. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping positive. It'll be, it'll be fixed soon. It'll be fixed soon. Yep. Yeah. Everyone keeps sending in your your thoughts and recommendations. So we've <laughs> had glandular fever. That could be a potential. Um, anything else that could be, let us mm. know down in the comments. Yeah. Um. Back pain, difficult sleeping, difficulty sleeping only happens at night. Hmm. You wake up, it's a bit sore in the morning, but then you get going and you're fine, right? Yeah, it could almost be anything. That's like the symptoms <laughs> of pretty much 
every illness <laughs> ever. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what people can come up with, but we need help. Hamish needs help. I don't need help. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what Hamish, it? what on earth should we be talking about today? Yeah, we've, uh, we've got a couple of, we've, uh, we've got um, earning season a little bit. So we've got a couple of companies yeah, we'll talk started. about. Yeah. Um, crept up um, pretty, uh, pretty quickly. I didn't really uh, notice, to be honest. So we've got Netflix and mm. we'll talk about uh, Tesla as well. Uh, and then we'll also get into our uh, regular news as well. There's a couple of uh, central bank kind of uh, interest rate inflation news pieces from around the world that I'll kind of pile together into a into a quick summary so we don't spend too much time on it. Um, yeah, cool. And then what else have you got? Um, this is so funny. I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, Trump's social media platform, Truth Social. Yeah. Yep. Guess who's on there? Um... The most unlikely person you could think of to go uh, on Trump's oh, social media oh, platform. Um, I don't know, like Barack Obama, Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden, yeah. Joe Biden oh, is on course. Truth Social. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, um, 30-year fixed mortgage just hit 8% for the first time since wow. 2000. So um, we'll talk about that as well. Yeah. And uh, hopefully get to a couple of questions at the end as well. Yeah. So oh, And uh, Tesla. I'm talking about Tesla earnings as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, with that said, uh, today's episode is brought to you by Seeking Alpha, your one-stop shop for stock analysis, market data, and news. Access expert uh, analysis and news for thousands of stocks. View buy, hold, and sell ratings from members, Wall Street analysts, and Seeking Alpha's own algorithm. Uh, screen for stocks using a variety of fundamental and technical analysis metrics. Access up to 10 years of financial data and company filings. And manage your portfolio by tracking your investments with price alerts so you never miss a buying opportunity again. Uh, click the link in the episode description or head directly to seekingalpha.me forward slash young investors to try Seeking Alpha free for seven days. And you can still get that $50 off coupon if you sign up using our link. So seekingalpha.me forward slash young investors. Go check it out if you haven't already. And uh, as always, thanks to those who have used our link uh, when signing up to Seeking Alpha and are supporting the podcast. Now let's get into another episode. <laughs> yeah, we do it. We do it every every time we like transition to a new story. It's <laughs> <laughs> a segue. And no. to start things <clears throat> off today, we're going to talk about doom 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 Netflix. Yeah. Go Hamish. Should we go. start with Netflix? Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah, let's get get straight into some some earnings. Uh, yeah, we always uh, earning. We always end up covering Netflix and uh, Tesla because they both report on the same day, and they're both companies that we mm. kind of find interesting to follow. Although they're two kind of very different um, companies. They're not, not kind of similar at all. We'd love to do Netflix and Disney in the same, but I think Disney is one of the last to report. Yeah, they they're, don't report they, for a they're while. They're still a few weeks <clears throat> away, I think. Yeah, that is the unfortunate thing, right? We usually get like meta platforms and Google usually in the same week, I think, although not the same day, but usually, yep. the, usually the same week. So I wish they would like lump other companies together. Nice. I think they lump the do banks together, right? They, all the banks usually report first. They get lumped together. So there must be some mm. sectors or industries that do it like that, but then others are all just spread out all over the place. Um, yeah. But anyway, so Netflix uh, reported revenue of $8.5 billion, which was up 7.8% uh, year over year. So still, uh, you know, a lot slower growth than uh, before this kind of um, slow down, uh, although their growth is starting to kind of pick up. I think they grew at like three or four or five percent uh, last quarter, and the quarter before that was like flat. So mm. they're starting to slowly starting to kind of build up their growth again. Uh, and when we're talking about Netflix revenue growth, we're talking about uh, growth that's really coming from two places. One is subscribers, and then uh, how much revenue they're getting per subscriber. Mm. Um, so on yeah. a, on the subscriber front. Uh, they added uh, 9 million subscribers during the quarter, which is 
um, a huge milestone because it's not only um, a, a high amount for the the, the, the recent uh, quarters where they've been really struggling mm. to add subscribers, but it's actually one of their biggest quarters ever. If you remove, I believe if you remove um, the kind of pandemic subscribers, which were yeah. very, very abnormal, um, I believe it's the biggest quarter they've ever had for subscriber edition. Well, that's what I was going to talk to you. That's what I was going to say is that I, I'm pretty sure that back in that, uh, onset of the pandemic when everyone was at home and they just signed up for Netflix. I'm pretty sure they added, what was it, like 12 million in a quarter? Somewhere around there. Yeah, well, they might have even I don't, had, I don't had a bigger quarter than that. Yeah. But um, this definitely is reminiscent of those quarters where people were locked down at just signing up for Netflix because that's all they could do with their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's actually, that's very impressive. Do they... Just, do they mention like a, a reason as to as to why has it got to do with the the ad the crackdown on the sharing accounts and that sort of thing? Yeah, so um, they they gave a few reasons as kind of all companies generally like to yeah. not sh- shed too much light on specifically what it was, but um, one of the big factors, of course, is that they've continued to roll out the the account sharing crackdown. Uh, and it's yep. turned out to just be much more effective than they um, anticipated. They, of course, thought that. With the crackdown, they would be able to re- retain some of those people who were kind of using Netflix for free, um, but it's it's worked, you know, much better than they expected. I think last quarter was about five or six million subscription additions, uh, and then right. this quarter being nine, so it's, you know, 14, 15 million um, additions, which uh, compared to the quarter before that was like basically no additions. Um, that, remember, they had their complete slowdown. They even lost subscribers for a couple of quarters. So they've really completely turned around um, they're slowed down by by doing this this crackdown and some of their other initiatives. So mm. it's really interesting to see. Uh, total subscribers uh, now are at 247 million. So they're coming up on the big 250. Big, um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, an enormous platform. And, uh, yeah, again, to be able to add any subscribers really at that size is kind of crazy. Like there's no other platforms that are even close to... Um, that means it's a lot of people, isn't it? It's a lot of people. They're definitely number one. Yeah. I think there was, um, I think there's like 800 million households globally that have access to the internet outside of China who can't access it. So, um, yeah, to get to 250 of 800 million in the whole world is, is kind of crazy. Um, because obviously even if you have internet in your household, it doesn't mean that you're going to be wanting to pay for entertainment. That's been traditionally a very American thing. So to be able to export that, um, internationally, um, especially into you know Asia and that sort of thing, is is yeah kind of crazy. Yeah, um, crazy stats. So yeah, so they were obviously very happy um, on the subscriber side. Uh, then there's the uh, average revenue per membership side. Uh, average re- uh, revenue per membership declined by just one percent. Uh, so Netflix has been rolling out, uh, and, and this is really just because uh, they've been rolling out their ad supported tier. Um, so they now offer this in twelve different countries, uh, and in those countries that they offer ads, the ad supported tier, 30% of users are on the plan. So it's been incredibly popular, wow. this ad supported tier, um, which again is something that Netflix didn't even want to do a couple of years ago. And they've decided that to follow after Hulu and some of these other platforms uh, in trying to do it. Um, so as a result of that, their average revenue per member has gone down slightly, but it's only 1%. And that's um, you know at the same time as they're boosting their sub numbers. So obviously- this change in kind of mix of of plans of ad supported and and premium is working at least um, that's working mate so yeah. including the ad supported tier so total everything the average revenue per member is only declined by one percent year over yeah year. so 
So it means through that, the introduction of this ad supported tier, which yeah. is well free free for people, or they still have a base membership price. So you you pay. I think in the US it's seven dollars a month, uh, and then okay. and then the this the basic with ads uh, or without ads, I think was eleven or twelve dollars. So they've got to basically right. make up five dollars per month um, in, in, ads. in ads. Essentially, if they assume that people might you know switch from the basic ad to to go to ads, if that if that makes sense. Um, I see. Uh, that's, so, so, that's so far, pretty it, impressive it, that it they seems figured it working. out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, we'll, you know, it's early days. We'll, we'll kind of see how it keeps rolling out. But it's obviously been incredibly popular. I mean, they're only in 12 countries. But yeah, 30% of users in those countries on ads is is crazy. I mean, to think that maybe someday 30% of their entire business is on this ad supported tier that is potentially a layer of people that would just never consider Netflix because it's too expensive or they just don't want to have that in their budget. And now they can, you know, pay for five, six bucks a month and get access to it. So it's this kind of whole new market that I think Netflix didn't really consider too much. Um, mm. Slow reversion back to cable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of uh, income, uh, operating income came in at uh, $1.9 uh, billion, which was up 25% year over year. So massive growth in terms of their profits. Um all of their subscriber growth this year has come um, from without needing to spend more money on content, which is uh, also really impressive. So content spend actually declined um, from 17 billion to 15 billion this year. So even though they were able to grow a lot this year, um, their content spend has actually gone down, and that's led to mm. uh, their operating margins expanding to 22.4%. Um, so yeah, 8% top line growth in their revenue. That equates to twenty five percent growth in their in their profits, which is obviously very uh, good. That's very um, handy. They also shared an interesting graph um, that kind of demonstrates the scale economics of their business over time, because there's kind of been a lot of doubt, I think, about the streaming business and whether it can be a viable business over time. And they kind of just showed this chart of kind of content spent and their operating margin. And back in 2016, they were spending about five billion dollars in content annually, and they had an operating margin of negative 4%. <laughs> and then today they're spending 15 billion in on content with an operating margin of, of 20%. So they're kind of showing that as they've spent more on content, they're benefiting from these scale economics. They're, even though they're spending four times as much on content, which people were kind of worried that, you know, they're spending way more on content, even though they're doing that, um, that, that, that additional content spend is being spread across a very large customer base. Um, so their margins have just kind of expanded at an enormous rate. Um, which I thought was interesting to to kind of include because there has been like a lot of doubt, I think, shed on the streaming business um, as kind of all of these media companies try and get their piece of the market. I think that's even what we were talking about a few years back. I feel like Netflix as a business looks quite a bit different yeah. to how it was even like, when were we talking about it? 2018, probably, 2019? Yeah, probably even, 20, probably even during the pandemic, I would say. Even 2020, um, yeah. But yeah, they were spending way more money than they were bringing in. And the economics looked mm. terrible. They were piling up debt. They were burning cash. Um, yep. Yeah, they were growing subs, but there was really nothing to show from it from the actual business. Um, yep. uh, so yeah, it is interesting to see them kind of go through that transformation. I think investing back then would have been, you know, you, you would have been really praying that they figured it out. I think, um, you know, you yeah. could argue that they have kind of figured some things out today. And so the business is a lot more stable and- you know, but yeah, it, it is interesting. At least, yeah, certainly we we definitely spoke about Netflix as 
as one of those businesses we would probably stay quite far away from just a few years ago. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mm. When did you start getting more interested in it? That was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. So the beginning of was- 2022. Um, the end of 2021. That's right, because it crashed. Yeah. The stock went down. I'm looking at it now. It went down 72%. Yeah, crazy, right? Holy um, smokes. That's right. That's right. Well, you'd be sitting on a very handy return. Yeah, that's that's the that's the secret. There's your margin of safety right there. Yeah. It's, um, so you were interested in when early 2022. So from there to uh, now, yeah. it's up like 85%. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Hamish. It's um yeah, it's been one of those examples like Meta, I think, where there was just such a dramatic shift away in like a shift towards pessimism and then a shift towards optimism. Um mm. so if you had the 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 opinion that things were going to be optimistic when things were pessimistic, you've done really well. Same with with meta platforms. I, I don't know. I I wasn't involved in 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 that meta trade, but um we've seen a couple of those very dramatic shifts over the last couple of years. And I think like the pandemic and interest rates and inflation have kind of created a couple of opportunities like that, which has been kind of nice um, to see. Mm. But anyway, regardless, from a business perspective, it's it's interesting to observe as well. I've been I've been watching Netflix as a as a business for a while because I always was um yeah was, was curious about yeah, it. Cool. Um. Yes. And then in terms of they talk a lot about in- engagement. Um. Because kind of the core driver of Netflix is of course you know they they can change things to the the plans and add ads and that sort of thing. But ultimately. What makes Netflix good is the content and how they engage their subscribers. Um, so they always share a lot of data, um, at least out of the US, on engagement, which is where most of the data comes from. Uh, Netflix had the number one original series for 37 out of 38 weeks uh, this year so far and the number one movie Hectic. for 31 out of 38 weeks um, so far. So um, they're able to kind of rival um, pretty well some of the big uh, media companies, even on movies, which has been a, a weak point for, for Netflix. That's uh that's pretty telling I think. That is that is some dominance. Number 1 original series 37 out of 38 weeks of the year. Number 1 movie for 31 of 38. That's that's pretty impressive stats I think. Mm. Do you want to know what the the number 1 show this year so far has been by a landslide in terms of watch hours uh, on streaming platforms? Um, I'm trying a, to think of what show, it might be. It's a show that's not still running. So it's it's finished. Um, it actually finished, I think, in 2019 or maybe 2020 around that time. Six, it's, oh gosh, uh, six seasons long, and it's crazy because yeah, it's a it's a relatively yeah, it's not running anymore. Um, what is it? And uh, it's Suits of, of all shows. Oh no way! Suits is the number one show by a landslide. It crushes all original content, everything. It's currently streaming on like Netflix and a couple of other platforms, so that probably helps. It's like available on a couple of platforms. That's so but, interesting. Um, how crazy is that? It just shows that, you know, some of these legacy shows have a lot of value. Um, and yeah. I think streaming services help unlock that in a way because then people can just yeah. c- can can go back and rewatch. They don't have to wait for a rerun on a, on a cable channel. Like, can just, they yeah. can just watch it. So it's interesting to see. But yeah, I, I would not have thought Suits, of all things, 
Um, no. I, I mean, it's a great show. I was thinking more like, <laughs> you know how like Squid Games came in and just like overtook the world uh, and everybody yeah, watched. Yeah. I was like thinking, what's what's been this year's yeah, version of something's that? Something's been pumping, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, Suits, that's crazy. I've never watched Suits all the it's way through. It's very good, yeah. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, yeah, it's probably one of my favourite series. Um, yeah. Oh, nice. But yeah, well, Harvey, I'm, what are that? Harvey and Mike, and, is that and right? Mike, yeah. Yeah, I haven't yeah, watched it in a while, I can't tell I can't remember. We have to pull it up. <laughs> yeah, to, to yeah maybe it. do another rerun. Mm. Um, no, that's awesome. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, so yeah, just a couple other things. Oh, yeah, so uh, in terms of uh, engagement, um, they still have the highest share of TV screen time, only behind YouTube, which has just been a beast at grabbing screen time. Um, yep. So, yeah, uh, YouTube and Netflix are, are kind of up there. Uh, so Netflix total TV time is 7.8% uh, in the US at the moment. The next closest is Hulu and Amazon Prime, which each have 3.6% share. And then Disney, uh, Max, Peacock, and Paramount, all their, all their platforms have about 1%. Um, so they're kind of the three tiers of, of streaming services, at least in the US. Um, in terms of cash and debt, uh, they're now expecting $6.5 billion in free cash flow for 2023, which is an enormous amount of cash flow for um, for, for the business. And, and part of that is because they're spending a little bit less on content this year. Um, but they've been able to do that while kind of retaining and growing their, their sub base. Um, they still have net debt of $7 billion. Um, they're not opting to pay down the debt. They seem fairly happy with that level of debt, which is uh, something I would, I'd like to see them pay the debt down. Uh, but instead they're doing what every company does, which is they're doing share repurchases. <laughs> um, so they did, uh, they did $2.5 billion of, uh, share repurchases in the quarter. And then they authorized another $10 billion, um, in repurchases. Um, mm. so yeah, uh, that's, uh, unfortunately it's what, um, you know, companies like to do. And, uh, you know, especially in this environment, interest rates are very uncertain over the next couple of years. So, uh, I don't know if companies should be too confident that they're just going to be able to roll that debt into something that's of similar interest rate. You know, we, we don't really know. I mean, we could be looking at three years down the road, interest rates are 5% higher than today. May, prob- probably not, hopefully not, but maybe they are. And and hopefully companies like Netflix are prepared for cases like that because that's a big increase in the interest expense. Um, I think they did have, yeah, they did have $12 billion in debt. So to get it back down to seven is something. Well, it's it's net, it net debt, net debt. So they have- Oh, sorry. So, so total debt is, I think, 14. Sorry, yeah, they have like bad. 14 billion. So it's still in that range, but they have like $7 billion in cash just sitting on the balance yeah, sheet. sorry. My but bad. they did just authorize $10 billion in repurchases. So they're probably going to yeah. they're probably gonna dump that $7 billion <laughs> or a large part of that into, into share repurchases, which- yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him pay down the debt just because I'm a conservative. I want him to be yeah. on the conservative side. Um, it's a smart play. I mean, l- you're locking in a good return because when you have to roll over that debt, you're going to be crushed with an interest rate that's very, very high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, co- it's corporate debt. I mean, I'm sure I don't exactly know what their, their interest would be, but it would probably be pretty high. It'd probably be 7 8% or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it's not yeah. a small interest rate. They can get, yeah, they can get a good return just by, as you, as you say, just paying it down. Um, yeah. So yeah, that would be smart, yeah, Hamish. Would be. That would be smart. I'll um, I'll, I'll <laughs> let him know. I'll send him an email. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't think you'd be the first to send him an email no. saying that. No, no, I don't think you'd be the first. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's it. The market was happy. His stock was up about twelve percent. So market's happy. I'm happy. Um, yeah. There you go. That's it. Nice. <laughs> happy days. Yeah. Happy days. Um. All right, Hamish. 
twelve percent. That's a big. That's a big climb. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very handy climb. Was I even yeah. factoring that in? I don't even think I was when I gave my little return. Nah, yeah, that's hectic. Look at that. That's big. All right, Hamish, what should we talk about next? Um, let's just keep rolling into earnings, I think. Um, give us, keep give doing us, earnings. Give us Tesla earnings. It's, um, yeah, it's we'll talk about earnings. This one won't take me too long because um, the conference call is happening literally as we speak. So I've, I can't listen to it because I'm recording a podcast. Um, so if there's anything revolutionary that happens in the conference call, um, I'll come back and talk about it next week. But Tesla stock, a uh, little bit different to Netflix. Tesla stock was down 4% um, after they released their earnings report. Uh, we spoke about their vehicle deliveries a few weeks back. So they delivered 435,000 cars for the quarter, which was up 27% year over year, but it was down versus last quarter. Right. And the reason for that was they were retooling a few factories. Um as they've got uh, the new Model 3. Um, that's uh, I think that's come to Australia, actually. Very exciting. Because um, they've retooled their Shanghai Geek Factory. Anyway, going off track. Uh, revenue came in at $23.3 billion, which is up 9% year over year and slightly, very slightly down quarter over quarter. Um, gross, <clears throat> gross margin came in at 17.9% versus 25.1% year over year. So gross margin uh, is sliding. It is under pressure. It has gone from 25, this is quarterly, it was 25, then it went to 23, then it went to 19, then it went to 18, and now it's at 17.9. So Ooh. gross yeah, gross margins are sliding. Uh, are they each of the last few quarters? Yeah, a few quarters, yeah, okay. yeah, up until the most recent, which was 17.9. Um, operating expenses are up 43% year over year, predominantly driven by uh, the Cybertruck, which they are building out. They haven't gotten any revenue yet from Cybertruck, but they've had to make all of that investment. Um, and also their AI projects. And that's one thing that Elon just keeps hammering on about is the future of Tesla is AI, AI, AI. Um, yeah. He just says the key to unlocking basically all of Tesla's future value in his eyes is getting full self-driving <clears throat> sorted and getting a functional, helpful humanoid robot um, up and running. So that will be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, at the moment, it is bumping up their operating expenses. Now, what does that mean for their operating income? In, uh, operating income was down 53% year over year and operating margin was down to just 7.6% versus 17.2% uh, a year ago. Right, wow. So 17.2 down to 7.6. Yeah. Um, and that uh, helped net income came in at just $1.85 billion, down 44% year over year. So yeah. there's no doubt they are facing a little bit of margin pressure, but they are also, um, as a part of that, they are investing reasonably heavily at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, sh I would imagine a l fair portion of the the gross margin decline is related to to inflation and, and and other factors. Although I think they were also specifically lowering some of their the prices of their vehicles, right? As that's well, true. so that's going to hurt their their gross margin. Um, that's true. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it shouldn't be too surprising, I think, to see an automaker go through big cycles of, of, you know, gross margins expanding and everything's rosy and then gross margins collapsing or, or operating margins collapsing. And, and you know, well, most auto 
companies, um, you know, have, have periods where they lose money um, when they go yeah. through these cycles. So it's not, you know, super, um, uh, I think, unexpected for this kind of business. Yep. And I think of the EV makers, Tesla is probably the best positioned. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because they have a profitable, you know, their, their <laughs> business is profitable. Yeah. Um, even if it takes, even if it's just has a slim profitability for a while, they are still profitable. And yet, automakers go through cycles. Um, now, in terms of uh, cash flow, so they had $3.3 billion in operating cash flow. Their capex, however, was uh, quite a bit higher at $2.46 billion, so it left them with just $848 million in free cash flow. So, not, yeah. not a huge chunk of free cash flow. Um, however, it's something. It's positive, and um, they currently have $26 billion as a cash cushion. So, they oh, wow. do have a bit of a- Yeah, yeah they do have quite a, quite a solid cash cushion sitting on the sidelines. Um, they, Elon's spoken in the past. He wants to deploy some of that cash. Right. Um, but he wants to do it. Obviously, everybody- that manages to come, they want to do it effectively. They don't want to just burn money. And he thinks that he is investing money um, at, the, at the fastest rate he can in the company without it just being wasted yeah, by just trying sense. stuff that they don't really know what to do with. You know what um, he should do? Then in term- Sorry? You know what he should do with that $26 billion? Do a buyback? Yeah, he should just do a massive buyback. I think that's probably the most effective thing he could, he could do with it. In fact, he should take on some debt- Add to that pile a little bit, maybe bring it up to 40, 40 billion, and then do a buyback. And then do a buyback. Yeah. Use it all on a buyback. Yeah. So then you've got heaps of debt, <laughs> but the shareholders are happy. They're happy. <laughs> For a period of time. You know, yeah. <laughs> Until the company goes Until bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the sad thing is, um, I think it was earlier this year or even late last year, Elon was messing around with the idea of doing uh, share repurchases. Yeah. I was like, I think it's like I think it's just such a temptation for management. Like it's 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 a lever that's just sitting there on their desk, like a golden lever that's like just yeah. like a way out of all of the pressure from analysts and and investors. Like you know the stock's not doing well, analysts have got questions, and you can just see this lever or this button, this golden button on your desk, and you're like, if I just push that button, I can stop it for three months. I can stop the pain. It's got to be and and it's really no, and it probably boosts their compensation too. So it's got to be so difficult, like to to to. I mean, we see most management teams don't like that. Some do an egregious cherry purchases. Some you know trickle in little ones here and there. But it is um, it does show restraint when a manager can um. Can uh, can hold back yeah. from doing cherry purchases. <laughs> yeah, use use your money on something else. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, other other operational kind of stuff. Um, they had forty nine megawatts of solar deployed. Um, they had three thousand nine hundred and eighty megawatt hours of battery storage deployed. That's going quite well. That was up ninety percent year over year. So all wow. their grid scale batteries, their um, uh, what you might call them, power walls, that kind of stuff. Um, that part of their business is growing. And there was a time where Elon said that that, um, that business, that battery storage business has equal potential to like the automotive business, mm. um, especially with how the grid, you know, needs to transition to renewables. And obviously we need to store that energy. Um, it's just that for the last few years, definitely the auto business is just powered ahead. Um, but they are cell restricted. They are battery cell restricted. Yeah. So as they yeah. get as they make, <clears throat> excuse me, more and more of their own battery cells, um, that should help their um, storage business. <clears throat> excuse me. Okay. Interestingly, 
Um, I just chucked this one in because it's interesting. They have 51,105 supercharger connectors around the world. Yeah. 51,000. That's, That's a, a lot. That's a crazy number. Yeah. Probably doesn't hold a candle to the number of petrol pumps. Oh, but no, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> it's still impressive. It's like people say, oh, there's nowhere to charge. Well, it's 51,000 connectors. Yeah. And technically, if you see a wall outlet, you've got a charger. Yeah. Um, yeah so that, that was up crazy. 31% year yeah. over year. Yeah. Um, in terms of their gigafactories, Giga Texas, they are currently doing pilot Cybertruck production. So Cybertruck production has begun at a pilot level. They noted in their earnings release that deliveries begin November 2023. So wow. we are almost there. Yes, don't I know deliveries were supposed to be like last year. <laughs> However, it looks like it's finally, finally happening. They got this great shot, this great shot in their earnings release where there's like the Tesla Semi and it's stacked up full of Cybertrucks. Oh, it looks so oh, cool. Wow looks so cool yeah it's yeah. gonna be bizarre I, I i guess we probably won't see too many of them here in australia for a long time but that would be nah. so bizarre to see like n- like numerous cyber trucks on the road like i just can't like i've only seen videos of it obviously obviously but um that would just be strange um yeah that that's gonna look it's gonna be weird well it's gonna because be they're just so futuristic. they're just so different yeah yeah um okay hamish what else was i talking about um, Gigafactory Shanghai is running at full capacity and it has done for several quarters, which is great. Berlin's almost at full capacity for the moment. Um, a note, despite macroeconomic headwinds, our planned factory shutdowns in Q3 and ongoing ramp at new factories, our average vehicle cost was around $37,500. So I just put that in there because I think that was interesting. So on average, their cost was 37500 to make a car, which I think is right. cool. Yeah. Um, in ter- this is the thing uh, actually I wanted to talk to you about in terms of their outlook, mm-hmm. right? So uh, most companies, they, they give some level of guidance. Okay. But this, and I've never looked into Tesla guidance to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, I don't like the idea of trying to model out how many cars they're going to be making in 2027. Cause I think that number, I, I don't, yeah, don't, don't pull an IMF it. and try and predict what, what China's economy is going to be doing in 15 years. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Right. Um, by the way, I've just put in, that's the, I've just put into the doc. That's the picture of the Tesla semi with all the cyber trucks. Uh, looks pretty oh cool. yeah. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. Um, but anyway, back to this outlook, right? So, so they say here in, in their in their earnings release, we are planning to grow production as quickly as possible in alignment with the fifty percent compound annual growth rate target we began guiding in early two thousand twenty one. In some years, we may grow faster, and in some, we may grow slower, depending on a number of factors. For two thousand twenty three, we expect to remain ahead of the long term fifty percent compound annual growth rate with around one point eight million vehicles for the year. Yeah, now, nuts. Hamish. It's nuts. <clears throat> However, I don't think if I was Elon, I would be guiding 50% compound annual growth rate of production and deliveries of a complex manuf- manufactured product like an electric vehicle. Because I yeah. just want, I, I, ran, I ran the stats and, you know, Elon, he's, he's, a, he's a visionary. Maybe he pulls it off. I mean, if there's going to be someone on earth that could pull it off, it, it's probably Elon Musk. But I just want to talk to you guys, just when it comes to investing, like compound annual growth rate, compounding, what, what does that snowball you to? Well, if in 2023, if they do the 1.8 million vehicles, which they have a really good shot at doing, yeah. 
Okay, if they continue to get a 50% compound annual growth rate in vehicle deliveries, in 10 years' time, they will deliver 103 million vehicles a year. (laughs) Or in other words, they won't. (laughs) Yeah, or in other words, more vehicles than are sold, you know, annually. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the 50% is, it's crazy, right? It really starts to compound very, very quickly. Um, Yeah. So I wanted to get your thoughts. Your thoughts on that. What, what do yeah, you think about a company yeah. announcing a guidance of fifty percent compound annual growth rate for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I feel like that's kind of dangerous. I, I would imagine there's probably a lot of people who are using that in their say discounted cash flow when they're modeling forward. And obviously, I don't think anybody's modeling probably ten years because that would be kind of insane. But there's probably a lot of people modeling three to five years, and even yeah. to hit that. Uh, would be incredibly impressive. I mean, just the fact that they've they're still running at a fifty percent clip, and they're at two million vehicles a year, or you know, close to two million vehicles a year. Like that's still in- crazy. Because um, again, what so what are the biggest automakers? What, what are they doing? Like ten million, fifteen million? Yeah, 10, 11, 12 10, 10. million. Like Toyota, the Volkswagens, that that kind of. Yeah, yeah, they're up, they're up just over ten. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking at what you what you wrote out it. So at fifty percent a year. Um, by 2027, that'd be basically the size of the biggest automaker in the world. Um, yeah, which would be crazy. I mean, that's in four mm. years. <laughs> that that, yeah. that that would be astonishing if within basically what like 15 years of operating, they went from not yep. being a car company basically to the <laughs> biggest car company in the world. That would be the craziest. Uh, you know th- that that story. That's yeah. insane for any business, let alone an automaker, where they have to build physical factories to actually push yeah. these cars through. I mean, like complex manufactured product. It's yeah. and it's a new product that hasn't really been yeah. done on mass before. So you know, th- yeah, it, w- it would be crazy impressive. Uh, I always continue mm. to be impressed by what what Musk is able to do, but but I think it is yeah, it is a little it's a little dicey to do that, and I would imagine that probably plays a role into why Tesla's price, you know, reflects, you know, the expectation of a lot of growth, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe they hit those expectations. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people keep listening to Musk say 50% and go, yep, mm. okay. Well, he's saying, you know, for the foreseeable future or whatever he said, so I'm going to at least model three more years of this. And I think even that mm. would be, you know, very, very impressive if they did that. Um, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, the, yeah, yeah, it's, it is, it is crazy. I mean, if, like I say, I don't think they could hit it for any more than like maybe two, three, four years out into the future because then the numbers just start getting nutty. Um, yeah. And and what but, happens you know, if there's a recession? Um, yeah. You, you would have to expect there's probably at least some point in the next decade where not only do they not grow at 50% a year, but they have a retraction because the industry just shrinks. People are just not buying cars. And if they if yeah. there is a if there is a retraction, then they're you know they might have to grow at eighty percent for a couple of years to get back on track of the fifty yep. percent per year if that makes sense because they got to come down and then go back up. So because it's the auto industry, you've got to expect it's going to be cyclical. So yeah, there is a mm. it'll be very difficult for them to hit that. But um, but yeah, then- that's that's the thing with percentages. Yeah, as you start losing percentages, it's twice as hard to you know get back up. Yeah. Um. All right. In terms of the conference call. Um, I just listened to Elon's opening address. It was really weird. I was, I was just had, had my headphones in. I was listening to the conference call and had the background music. And then there was just silence for like five minutes. And then after that, it just picked up with Elon being halfway through an address. So I don't know if oh. everybody copped that, but I, I think, I think everybody probably did. 
So I think we just lost like whatever the hell Elon was talking about for like the first five minutes. Um, someone anyway, just pulled the plug on him. him. <laughs> someone yeah, someone well, heard him go even. 50% growth per year and they just pulled the yeah. plug. <laughs> They're like, hang on a second, <laughs> mute. <laughs> we can't have this. Oh, that's classic. Yeah. Um, no, but like we didn't even hear, you know, how people open the conference call and be like, I'm the head of oh, investor yeah, yeah. relations or yeah. past performance, not an indicator of future performance, blah, that sort yeah, of, yeah, you know, yeah. forward looking statements, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. We didn't even hear any of that. It was just music, oh. silence. Elon halfway through a talk. So I don't know if everyone else heard that as well. Weird. Um, But then I just picked up on whatever Elon was saying and there's two main things he was talking about. He was talking about Cybertruck, how that's going to be hard to reach production volume and it's going to be hard for it to be cash flow positive for a while just because it's a new product. There's so much innovation within the product. It will take them time. And the other thing he, he spoke about was just their massive focus on AI. Uh, he, yeah. he did say, he continues to say he thinks that uh, Tesla will be the most valuable company by far in the future. Um, and it's all dependent on AI. He thinks they've got the best AI team in the world, the best real world AI team in the world, and it continues to get better. They were his words, um, which is great. Uh, and he, he really does think that the future of the company is all to do with AI. But anyway. With that said, that's where I had to end it because you called me. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> that's why I said, hey, Hamish, what's going on? <laughs> but anyway, I'll listen to the rest of the conference call. If anything's breaking, I'll, I'll talk about it next week. But with that yeah. said, Hamish, hold up. That is Tesla. Let's Very talk. Exciting. Should we talk? Should we go macro? Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go macro. Let's go let's top go. down. Let's go. Yeah, we, we, we went bottom up for a little bit. Now we can go top down. Um, yep. So we've, uh, yeah, I've got some uh, inflation and, and central bank uh, kind of news out of uh, the UK and then, and then the US, uh, which was from last week, but we missed it. Um, so UK reported their uh, September inflation. It came in at 6.7%, which was uh, unchanged from last month. So UK has continued to struggle with uh, very, very bad um, inflation. Um, it's it's been much more persistent than than uh, what we've seen in Australia, which has also been quite bad, and then even in the US as well. Six point seven percent, still really high. Um, that came off a point five percent monthly increase as well, so um, pretty steep um, monthly increase. Uh, the largest downward contributions came from food and non-alcoholic beverages, whose prices fell uh, month on month for the first time since. September 2021. Uh, core CPI, which excludes volatile food, energy, alcohol, and tobacco prices, uh, came in at 6.1% year over year, uh, which was down slightly from 6.2% recorded in uh, August. So top line inflation, core inflation in the UK, both um, are both very, very bad um, and just not coming down fast enough. 0.1% a month is just not um, that's not fast enough. That uh, that would mean in a year's time they're still at almost five percent, and then a year, another year later, still well above the the target that uh, every kind of country is trying to get to, which is two to three percent. Mm. Um, yeah, there you go. And uh, and yeah, so now kind of all eyes turn to the bank of uh, the the Bank of England, the the central bank um, in in the UK. Uh, they've raised interest rates now from 0.1 percent in December of 2021 to five point two five percent. Uh, recorded uh, or, or raised to last month. So, um, you know, their inflation problem isn't w- because they haven't been raising interest rates. They've been raising interest rates mm. a lot. Uh, it just hasn't had as strong as an, of an effect uh, as the interest rate hikes um, and other policy changes in, in the US um, and, and Australia. So, um, 
Yeah, most people in the markets are kind of pricing in um, no rate hike from the bank because inflation didn't go up and it kind of continued to moderate a little bit. Um, but yeah, very tricky situation um, when we look yeah. at the UK because they've got high interest rates and still high inflation, um, which makes it a very, very difficult task. You know, what do you do? Um, what do you do there? Yeah, that is very tough. That is very tough. They're getting whacked from all angles at the moment. <laughs> you look left and you've got high interest rates. You look right and you've got high inflation. It's like, ah. That's yeah. killer. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it it it's pretty bad. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see how uh how the central bank over there um continues to decide what to do and how they can kind I of. I think help it's interesting that so it. people are people are saying that they're not that they're, they're probably not going to raise rates. Surely, surely they have to. Surely. Yeah, I think um, I think markets priced in a seventy-seven percent chance of no rate hike. So wow, so it's okay. a pretty cons- high consensus, and I think it's because. Um, the the interest rate hikes that they have done have just had such a dramatic impact on, um, on 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 people's rent and on people's mortgages, yeah. and that's the that's the tough bit, right? It's like, well, if we don't get inflation so under control, food, clothing, transport, everything is going to just keep getting more expensive at a compounded rate. So we kind of have to yep. do this short term thing. But there's also supply side inflation that that potentially interest rates are not going to fix it all, and we know that the UK has been exposed to more of those. Um, you know, kind of oil and energy related um, inflation pressures. So yeah. there's other things that just need to be done within government as well um, to to fix those those problems. But yeah, tricky. That's situation. that's the tricky bit. Is that yeah, exactly what you say. Maybe this inflation is not directly fixable by just jacking up interest rates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's man. I would not. I would not like to be. Um, I'd not like to be anyone to do with anything over there in politics <laughs> at the ECB. I don't, I don't want anything to do with the UK. I don't want to be a citizen. I don't want to be in government. I don't <laughs> <laughs> no, I know uh, what you mean. I, I don't, don't want to be a cricket fan of theirs. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't even know. No, you're, you're we, right. Like, we retain the ashes. I don't know. We, we get belted in the World Cup, though, the Aussies. Oh, are we? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> are, we, are we losing? Oh, actually, no, I can have a little dig at the UK because they just got beaten. Their cricket team just got beaten by Afghanistan. So, Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> That's like bad never luck. happened. So, well, anyway. Way to pile on the bad news. I thought- the, I thought Pile thought on the bad news. Yeah. <laughs> and already- in breaking news, England has been beaten by Afghanistan <laughs> in the Cricket World Cup. <laughs> uh, how will uh, it affect yeah. the anyway. central bank's decision to raise rates? Yeah. Um, <laughs> They they decide not to raise because everyone's sad <laughs> from the loss. Sad, yeah. <laughs> They're covering their asses. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so anyway. that's uh, that's the UK. Um, so uh, moving over to the US. Um, a few days ago, we just missed it last week. We had US uh, inflation data come out. Uh, headline CPI, uh, consumer price index, rose to three point seven percent. Oh, sorry, was three point seven percent, but unchanged from uh, last month. So, um, yeah. Com- Completely different story. About half as much inflation in the US as um, mm. as uh, the UK, at least on the top line. Um, there was a 0.4% month-over-month increase, so it's pr- still a pretty strong month-over-month increase. Um, comes after 0.6% last month. So the last couple of months has been relatively strong. Um, so hopefully that's not the beginning of a, another kind of cycle. Uh, in terms of core inflation, uh, which has for the last few months been actually higher than headline inflation, as energy energy prices have kind of been coming down and keeping that headline number low, uh, but core inflation uh, came in at four point one percent, which was down slightly, I believe, from four point two percent. I didn't write it in the doc, but I think it was from four point two, uh, and a month over month increase of 
uh, 0.3%. So still, yeah, you know, you still reasonably above the target, but mm-hmm. we're getting there. Um, the US is, US is getting there. It's, it's interesting because now we're like in, in the middle ground, aren't we? It's like, it's not super high anymore. That's great. Interest rates are higher and we've come down to almost good enough, but not quite. Yeah. So I think there will be a lot of speculation as to what the Fed does, but I think they've made it pretty clear that they they will continue to raise if they need. And um, I think if 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 it stays like plateauing, like this is still too high, like four yeah. percent still too high. Yeah. And I think if they see that plateau, they will continue to raise rates to keep to keep pushing it down further. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, four percent certainly too high. I think four percent, you know, compounded over three years, you're almost <laughs> at a 15% increase in the cost of living every three years, which is, dude, that's, wow, that, okay, that's, yeah. that's, that's insane. That's I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you, if you think of it from when that, put pers- it like that. Yeah. I, I mean, can you really expect to, you know, have basically a 15% pay rise every three years for a lot of people? That's just obviously not going to be possible. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, long run inflation of 4% is, is, um, is, is not really a solution we should go for. Uh, but it is yeah. really hard to get that last bit of inflation down. Um, as it's proved to be pretty much everywhere. Mm. Uh, in terms of the worst uh, categories for um, year-over-year inflation, I thought I'd include some of these because the highest category is a category that's really weird and I don't know why they track this category. But anyway, um, so frozen vegetables came in at 11.6% year-over-year. Uh, legal services, 12.4%. Uh, admissions to sporting events is something they, they track <laughs> as an individual item. Okay, uh, 18, nice. 18.9%. Um, vehicle insurance was also 18.9%. Food from vending machines was uh, plus 16%. Um, but the number one category, <laughs> the, the number one category that they, some, for some reason, they track this specific category, frozen non-carbonated juices and drinks was what? up um, 21.3%. So, mate, are you sure? Are you sure you're reading from CNBC? <laughs> yeah, I'm, reading, not the onion? I'm reading from the Onion. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why do they track that? Frozen non-carbonated Fro- juices. Wait a second. Frozen non-carbonated what even is juices that? and drinks. What's a frozen non? What's a frozen juice? What's a frozen That's, drink? Yeah, frozen juice boxes or something. I don't know. So yeah, I, frozen drinks. Unless unless CNBC. What drinks get frozen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You have like, I feel like just. Surely in transit, fruit juices don't get frozen, do they? No, but then, surely not. but that wouldn't be frozen. Like that would just be juice, right? Like, yeah, like, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't get it. I have what no gets idea frozen? What that is. Milk? No, milk is doesn't get frozen. Juice is just juice. Maybe it's an American thing. Frozen juice. Maybe it is frozen juice boxes. Like oh, I remember having those at the canteen is it like, at school. Um, like you know those Zupa Dupas. I think that's what it is. Wait, really? I like think, ice blocks? I think so. Yeah, like I uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. Oh, maybe they don't it, it call must them be, ice blocks. Must or be an, icy poles or something over it must there. Must be an American thing. Yeah. Must be an American thing. Yeah, maybe thing. that's what it is. Maybe yeah, you know what? Maybe it's like icy poles and stuff, but they for some reason they just call it frozen juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, anyway, anyway, they're up twenty one percent. So if you're buying frozen if you're buying frozen non carbonated juices and drinks, um that's some buying super dupers. Yeah. You might <laughs> want to cut back. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I thought I had to include that because I thought that was just stupid that they track that specific category. That's um, so dumb. Well, if if we if it is what we think it is, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah. But really we have no idea. Anyway. Um 
yeah, so um, that yeah, that's it. Um, oh, we had a note from Fed officials um, saying that they don't expect inflation back to two percent until twenty twenty six. Now, so it was twenty twenty five. It's now twenty twenty six. So, um, yeah, yeah right. so yeah, um, inflation expected to stick around for a bit longer, but that's been uh, the story for a little while. There you go. There you go, Hamish. There you go. Careful. Might everybody skip your icy polls this yep. week? No more icy polls. Every every no fifth more icy week, polls. You've got to you've got to skip. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. This is a bit of a funny story. I, I, I wanted to chuck this one in. Mm. Trump's Truth Social is promoting the Biden campaign's new account. Love it. Love I it. love the first line on CNBC. Not a joke, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Former President Donald Trump's social media company is promoting President Joe Biden's campaign account on the platform as the two politicians gear up for a possible election rematch. Quote, Dear friend, recently Joe Biden's presidential campaign joined Truth Social. You can find their account at Biden HQ here, Truth Social said in an email sent to users on Wednesday. The email also noted that Trump's campaign account is on Truth Social. Um, as of Wednesday, Biden's account has more followers than Trump's, uh, than the Trump campaigns, sitting at more than 22,000 followers, despite only joining the site on Monday. Trump's campaign account gained 19,000 followers uh, since its creation in February 2022. Wow. Yeah, that, um, that, that, that tells me a lot about how good this platform's going. If uh, the president and the person running against the president both have like 20,000 followers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not like 15 million. No, no, exactly. 20,000. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, it's, it is pretty hectic. Um, the first the first Truth Social post was, uh, well, let's see how this goes. Converts welcome, said Biden HQ in his first post on Monday. Yeah, Trump, who has 6.4 million followers himself on the site, uses his Truth Social feed as a platform to routinely attack Biden and others he perceives as enemies. Trump, who lost to Biden in 2020 and is the front runner for the 2024 GOP nomination, has largely avoided using X, formerly known as Twitter, even after Elon Musk reinstated his account late last year. The service banned him from the site in early 2021 over tweets regarding the violent pro-Trump invasion of the Capitol on January 6th uh, that year. Yeah, do you um, um do, do you think do you think Trump's going to come back to to X? Because we've been kind of talking about. I think this he kind of has to because um yeah right because the 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 campaign's kind of going at the moment uh, the the Republican campaign yeah. at least is going at the moment, but then yeah the the national the the presidential campaign will be uh, going throughout next year so. You'd have to imagine he has to. Like, he just has to bite the bullet. I think so. I mean, even Biden's biting the bullet and, and joining Trump's platform because you've just got to be everywhere. You, you kind of, that's just the way it, it has to be. Um, mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 think, I think he has to get back on X. Um, interestingly, the Biden account's pic- profile picture on Truth Social is a depiction of Dark Brandon. A meme generated by the president's supporters in response to Trump backers turning Let's Go Brandon, a misheard vulgar chant about Biden, into an insult. Dark Brandon merchandise has driven over half the Biden campaign's online store revenue, CNBC uh, reported earlier this year. So there you go. It's a meme and they've taken full advantage. That's Yeah, I've I've got to... Yeah, I've got to wonder, like, what, what the play is here. What like what's 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 the play? Why would Biden even bother? Surely he's just going to get a whole lot of hate on Truth Social. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I think you've just got to be everywhere if you want to have you know have the best chance yeah. at, at at winning. I guess. Um, but yeah, you can't imagine yeah, it's going to be so. too fruitful. Um, no, no, I can't imagine so. No. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't think it really matters in the grand scheme of things. All that much <laughs> twenty-two thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, uh, despite Biden's apparent popularity on Trump's own social media platform, he faces a tough climb to re-election. Even as Trump contends with four criminal cases, polls show he's very much in the running to return to the White House. CNBC's All America Economic Survey, which polled 1,001 adults over the phone during five days earlier this month, showed that Biden's approval rating um, had fallen to 37%. In a potential head-to-head matchup, Trump would top Biden 46% to 42%, according to the survey. Mm, that's crazy. How interesting is that? Yeah, it's, it is it is crazy. Um, yeah, it, that, that is crazy given how much negative press there's been, justified or not, I'm not really saying, but, yeah. but just how much negative press there's been about Trump. Um, it's kind of crazy yeah. that he still is out, outpacing Biden. Like, it, it just shows, um, you know, yeah, what, what people think. And I guess, you know... Biden's had his own kind of issues, but also people just attribute anything negative in the economy or anything negative in the country to whoever's president. So, um, you know, whether it's, you know, high inflation, whatever it is, COVID cases, like whoever's running the show, it's like you're responsible for it, even if it could be out of their control. Some of it's not out of their control, but some of it will certainly be out of their control. So, you know, I think Biden's a little bit of a victim of at least some of that. Um, Yeah. But he needs to stop falling downstairs. That's not helping. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway with that said he does need to stop falling downstairs yeah oh classic oh hey michotta you make me laugh um Um, anyway that's all i had to say on uh truth social um hamish let's skip this last story um i can summarize it one sentence the 30-year fixed mortgage rate just hit eight percent for the first time since 2000 (gasps) all right great shock horror (laughs) Um, and let's go to a couple of Q&A questions just to round things out and then we can finish up yeah. uh, if you like. Um, so, yeah, as a reminder, if you want to ask a Q&A question, go to the most recent version of the podcast on YouTube and you can drop us a comment or you can ask a question natively in on Spotify um, in the Spotify question box. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, let's start with this one. Uh, this, is a, this is a fun question. Uh, how did your passion for finance begin? Uh, someone in family or friends? Uh, my passion for finance, well, I think my passion was not so much for finance, but it was for business. Mm. I think that's what my passion was for. And I have always had it, but I didn't really realize exactly what it was. Um, for example, when I was a kid, all of the video, so I, I love video games, but all the video games I really liked was where there was some sort of economy aspect to them Mm. like railroad tycoon and you had to manage the railroad company and build the track and manage the income and expenses (laughs) like i love that yeah even things like roller coaster tycoon yeah yeah you were building a theme park but there was also an economy aspect yeah i used to play um, sorry Going. I, no, I, was no, exactly, no, I used no. to play Sim City <laughs> heaps. Sim yeah. City. Oh, I played the hell out of Sim City. Yeah. Right, it's about zoning and building 
you know, co- uh, apartments and yeah, uh, yeah. bringing in tax revenue. Even like, and- um, even like Age of Empires is kind of the same thing. That's an like, economy game. It's just like building things and yeah. And oh, I, I used to be obsessed with Monopoly. Like, I don't know what that says about oh, me, but you? like, I, I used to love that game. Yeah. Yeah. Even though that's you know, know you're not in too much control in Monopoly, but it's it, it's yeah. certainly a money based game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What's another one? Age of Empires. The one that I played kind of when I was a little bit older was um, Civilization Five. Mm. That that is a great strategy, economy based strategy game. I'd recommend. It's a steep learning curve, but I would recommend that to anyone who's ever thought about playing it. Give that one a go. It's like Age of Empires, but it's like just next level. So it's really good. But so mm. I think I think that kind of I've always been interested in 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 business and growing and and I guess money as well, um, and then it wasn't until uni where I really figured out that I was studying physiotherapy that I wasn't going to make all that much as a physio and I needed to try and turn my money into more money and then I got interested in uh, investing, started a YouTube channel which kind of did well and and that really was my introduction into running my own business at that point. I didn't think it would be anything at the time, but then it got me into it. And, and, and that's where I really was like, yeah, this is, this is my calling and uh, really enjoy yeah. What about you? Yeah, actually pretty similar. It's funny. Cause yeah, when, when you're a kid and growing up, I don't think you think about it too much, but I've, I have kind of reflected and I've been like, oh, you can kind of see these things that you did. Like you said, like you played yeah. certain games uh, and I used to just like sell a bunch of, like I used to import stuff and, and sell it to kids at school and do all kinds yeah, of- Yeah, Hamish shot of hats. Yeah, I sold like $500 worth of hats. So <laughs> good, good on me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but for, what were, you, what were you in high school, dude? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like year nine. <laughs> yeah, so I'd take um, that. 500 bucks back then is mozza. Yeah, so yeah, I used to just do like weird stuff like that. Um, but then, yeah, in terms of investing, I studied, oh, I did two years of finance at university. So that's where I really got connected with investing. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's mostly it. The, the other thing was I was on a trip in, um, I think I was in Ireland or in London, and I just walked into a bookstore and I, I was studying at the time. So I wanted to get some finance related book. And there just happened to be an enormous stand for the new edition of The Intelligent Investor. And I was like, oh, Oh, and I noticed, you know, Warren Buffett had forwarded it. And at the time, I really didn't know that much about Buffett, but I knew who he was. So I was like, oh, he's a he's an investor. I'll pick up that book. And that was my introduction mm. to um, value investing specifically. So that was just pure dumb luck that I walked into a bookstore and right in front of me was, I was looking for an investing book and I turned to my right. There was a massive stand of the intelligent investor there. Um, it's meant to be. So, so yeah, and that's, that's kind of how it started. Um, but you're right. It always like, when you look back, it's like, yeah, it kind of was there. It seems like it was there as like a passion for even at a young age, even if it you mm. know came up in, you know, games and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. I'd love to hear from you guys. Like, what do you think? How did, how did your kind of interest in investing and business and finance, how did that come about? Uh, just drop us a comment. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear what you guys think. We could maybe include some in the, in the next podcast if we get some good responses. But um but yeah, I think with that said, we'll wrap things up. I've got to fly because I'm about to get in the car and drive to Sydney. Woo-hoo. So yeah, I'm, I'm talking at um, South by Southwest on Friday, which would be really cool. Yep. Um, unfortunately, this goes out on Saturday, so I can't <laughs> say I'll see. Uh, well, I might see you there, but it would just be by coincidence if you're already going. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to say it was nice to meet you. That's what you say. In it, this it, was, <laughs> it was great to meet everybody at South by Southwest that I haven't gone to yet and I haven't met anyone at yet. But yeah, hopefully that'll be fun. 
And what do you got the next uh, the next week or so? Just more content? Um, yeah, I'm working on a massive video, which will hopefully be out by uh, the time this uh, this goes out. So uh, Ooh, if it's okay. not, it'll be out in the next 24 hours, hopefully after this goes out. So um, nice. yeah, I won't, I, won't, forward to it. I won't tease it too much, but um, yeah, it's okay. a, it should be a good one. All right, cool. Look forward to that. All right, guys, thanks very much for tuning in. As always, hope you have a good weekend, have a good week, and we'll see you guys back here same time next week. See you guys.